Section 59 of Stories and Pictures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stories and Pictures by I. L. Peretz, translated by Helena Frank. Section 59 Underground. A big underground lodging room full of beds. Freud, the tattered Demalion, has been asleep for some time on her chest in her corner between the stove and the wall to-day she went to bed early because to-morrow is fair day in a neighboring town and she will have to be astir betimes in order to drive there with the grease but she lies uneasy there is trouble and worry in store she had arranged with the driver to take her freud and the small barrow and now just as she was going to sleep it occurred to her that it would be better to take the big one she tosses from side to side on her couch plague takes a woman's tongue she mutters then exclaiming against herself the small barrel whatever for to please the driver driver be blessed can't he give his horses a few more oats for once grumbling thus over the stupidity of a woman's tongue she has just managed to doze off from beneath the counterpane appears a red kerchief that falls dangling round about her face and her pointed red and blue nose she breathes heavily and presses one bony hand to her old heart who knows what she is dreaming perhaps that the driver has broken his word and she is left for a whole year without parnosa the opposite corner belongs to yona the water carrier the wife and two children sleep in one bed and yona with the elder cheddar boy in another now and then a sigh issues from the beds here also people have lain down in sorrow the little chatter boy has been crying for money to pay the rabbi his fee and the eldest daughter was left without a situation she had been doing well as servant to a couple without children suddenly her mistress died so she came home she could not stay on alone with the widower there were a few roubles owing to her in wages they would have been just enough to pay the rabbi but the widower says it is no concern of his his wife never mentioned it and he doesn't know he never mixes himself up with the affairs of women they quarrelled a little before going to sleep the mother advised going to the jewish court the daughter was in favour of writing a petition either to the notchelnik footnote a bible commentator of the sixteenth century end footnote or to the mirovois footnote russian officials end footnote yona will not hear of doing one or the other the widower will take his revenge and get yona a bad name among the householders he has only to snap his fingers and there's an end of me how many water carriers are there already loafing about with nothing to do since they started the new water supply beryl the porter all by himself in an upper bed is snoring away like a broken-winded horse the two children sleep together in another place his wife is a cook and this evening she has a wedding supper on hand here too rest is broken beryl has an ache going through his bones one after the other and the eldest son sighs frequently in his sleep he works in a lime kiln and has burnt his foot further on lies another snorer alone in a bed zarel the street seller in the second bed sleep all three children her husband is a watchman no sooner has he come in than she goes out with bread and fresh rolls we are already in the third corner where stands another this time an iron bedstead a flushed unhealthy-looking woman's head is set off by a bundle of rags that serve as a pillow 
Her prematurely parched lips open frequently, and a heavy sigh escapes them. Her husband's profession is a hard one, and he has no luck. Last week, at the risk of his life, he conveyed away a copper kettle and buried it in the sand outside the town. And it was discovered. Who knows what he will bring home tonight? Perhaps he is already in jail. It is three weeks since she set on to boil so much as a kettle full of water, and they are clamoring for the rent. A hard life and no luck, sighed the parched lips, and one has to be on one's guard against neighbors. They are always asking, what is your husband's trade? What keeps him out so late? Over all the beds flickers a pale light from the center of the room. It rises from between four canvas walls that bound the kingdom of a young married couple. Trenny, the young housewife, is still awake. She has only been married two months, and she is waiting for her husband, who will presently return from the house of study. The oil lamp is burning and throws pale patches on the blackened ceiling. A few feeble rays come through the rents in the canvas walls and dance upon the beds with the poor, worn-out faces. In Trenny's kingdom, all is brighter and cleaner. Between the two beds, on a little white table, lies a prayer book flanked by two little metal candlesticks, her wedding gifts. Wedding garments hang on the wall, also a talus bag with the shield of David embroidered on it. But there are no chairs in the kingdom. Trenny sits on one of the beds, making a net to hold the onions which are lying beside her, scattered over the sheet. The soup for supper is keeping hot under the bedclothes. The door of the big room opens softly. Trenny's cheeks flush. She lets the net fall out of her hands and springs off the bed. But then she remains standing. It would never do before all the neighbors. One of them might wake, and she would never hear the last of it. The neighbors are bad enough as it is, especially Freud. Freud cannot understand a wife not beginning to scold her husband the next day after the wedding. Just you wait, she says, the old cat. You'll see the life he'll lead you when it's too late. Freud leaves her no peace. A husband, she says, who is not led by the nose is worse than a wolf. He sucks the marrow out of your bones, the blood out of your veins. It is ten years now since Freud had a husband, and she has not got her strength back yet. And Freud is a clever woman. She knows a lot. Anything that he has a right to, she says, fling it out to him as you would a bone to a dog. And... Trenny has time to recollect all this because it is some minutes before Yosel manages to steal on tiptoe past all the beds. Every step he takes echoes at her heart. But as to go out to meet him, not for any money. There, he nearly fell. Now he is just outside the partition walls. She breathes again. Good evening, he says in a low voice with downcast eyes. A good year to you, she answers, lower still. Then are you hungry, she asks. Are you? Wait. He slips out between the partitions and returns with washed and dripping hands. She gives him a towel. On a corner of the table there is some bread and some salt and the now uncovered soup. He sits down on his bed, on the top of all the bedclothes, she on hers, with the onions. They eat slowly, talking with their eyes. What about, do you think? And with their lips about the way to earn a living. Well, how are you getting on? Oh, he sighs, three pupils already. And that is all we have to depend on, she asks sadly. Ma, he answers with gentle reproach. 
God be praised. She is consoling herself and him together. God be praised. That only makes one hundred and twenty roubles, he sighs. Well, why do you sigh? Add it up, he answers, one rouble a week rent. That's twenty-six roubles a season. And then I'm in debt. There were wedding expenses. What do you mean? she asked, astonished. He smiles. Silly little thing. My father couldn't afford to give us anything more than his consent. Well, what do they come to altogether? she interrupts. Altogether, he goes on, twelve roubles. That makes thirty-eight. What remains over for food? She calculates. Eighty-two, I suppose, for twenty-six weeks. Well, after all, she says, it's over three roubles a week. And what? he asks sadly. What about wood and candles, Sabbaths and holidays? That God is faithful, she tries to cheer him, and I can do something, too. Look, I have bought some onions. Eggs are very cheap. I will buy some eggs, too. In a week or so, perhaps five dozen eggs will yield a little profit. But just calculate, he persists, what we must spend on firing and lights. Why, next to nothing. Perhaps one rouble a week, that leaves us. And Sabbaths and holidays. Child, what are you thinking of? And the word child falls so softly, so kindly from his lips that she must needs smile. Come, say the blessing quick, she says, and let other things be till tomorrow. It's time to go to sleep. Then she feels ashamed, lowers her eyelids, and says, as if she were excusing herself, You come so late, with a yaw that is half a sham. He leans toward her across the little table. Silly child, he whispers, I come in late on purpose so that we may eat together. Do you see? For a teacher you know it is not the thing. Well, well, say the blessing, she repeats, shutting her eyes tighter closes his he wants to say it seriously but his eyes keep opening of themselves he presses down his eyelids but there remains a chink through which he sees her in a strangely colored light so that he cannot do otherwise than look at her she is tired he feels sorry for her he sees her trying to sit further back on the bed and letting her head rest against the wall she will go to sleep like that he thinks why not take a pillow he would like to say almost crossly but he cannot <clears throat> she doesn't hear he hurries through the blessing finishes it stands up and there remains not knowing what to do next jenny he calls but so low it could not wake her he goes up to her bed and bends over her her face smiles it looks so sweet she must be dreaming of something pleasant how beautifully she smiles it would be a shame to wake her. Only her little head will hurt. Oy, what hair she must have had. He has looked at her curls, long black hair, all shorn now. Footnote, as beseemed an orthodox married Jewess, end of footnote. Her cap is a thin embroidered one, with holes. She is a beauty. He smiles too. But she must be woke. He bends lower and feels her breath. He draws it in hastily. She attracts him like a magnet. Half unconsciously, he touches her lips with his own. I wasn't asleep at all, she said suddenly, and opens a pair of mischievous laughing eyes. She throws her arms round his shoulders and pulls him down to her. Never mind, she whispers into his ear, and her voice is very sweet. Never mind. God is good and will help us. Was it not he who brought us together? 
He will not forsake us. There will be firing and lights. There will be enough to live on. It will be all right. Everything will be right, won't it, Yosel? Yes, it will. He makes no reply. He is trembling all over. She pushes him a little further away. Look at me, Yosel. It occurs to her to say, Yosel wishes to obey and cannot. Poor wretch, she says gently. Not accustomed to it yet, huh? He wants to hide his head in her breast, but she will not allow him to. Why are you ashamed, wretch? You can kiss, but you won't look. He would rather kiss her, but she will not allow him. Please look at me. Yosel opens his eyes wide, but not for long. Oh, please, she says, and her voice is softer, silkier than ever. He looks. This time it is her lids that fall. Just tell me, she says. Only please tell me the truth. Am I a pretty woman? Yes, he whispers, and she feels his hot breath on her cheek. Who told you? Can't I see for myself? You are a queen, a, a queen. And tell me yourself, she continues, shall you be always just as, just the same? What do you mean by that, Jenny? I mean, her voice shakes, just as fond of me. What a question. Just as dear. What next? Always. Always, he is confident. Shall you always eat with me? Of course, he answers. And, and you will never scold me? Never. Never make me unhappy. Unhappy? I? You? What do you mean? Why? I don't know. Freud says. What, the witch? He draws nearer to her. She pushes him back. Yosel, what is it? Tell me, what is my name? Trenny. Fay. The small mouth makes a motion of disgust. Trenna she, he corrects himself. She is not pleased yet. Trenny you? No. Well then, Trenny my life? Trenny my crown? Trenny my heart? Will that do? Yes, she answers happily, only. What now, my life, my delight? Only listen, Yosel, and she stammers, and what? And when, if you should be out of work any time, and when I am not earning much, then perhaps, perhaps you will scold. The tears come into her eyes. God forbid, God forbid. He forces his head out of her hands and flings himself upon her parted lips. Plague take you all together, head and hands and feet. A voice comes from beneath the partition. Honeymooning as I'm alive, there's no closing an eye. It is the husky, acidly spiteful voice of Freud, the tattered Damalian. End of section 59